0: Hi, I'm Michael Hotard, creator of the Hotard Huddle and host of this awesome pod. In today's world of disinformation and misinformation, what if I told you there's an easy way to be informed about where you spend your money? Cluey Consumer. Download Cluey Consumer in the App Store or visit their website, clueyconsumer.com. Cluey can help you be an informed and conscious consumer. The app allows you to search for brands that you buy from every single day. The best part, it's totally free. The creators of Cluey Consumer hope to one day cover every purchase and every social, environmental, and political impact of those purchases. For example, my family frequently shops at Publix. With Cluey, I know that 73% of Publix's political ad campaign spending goes to Republicans. The app doesn't have bias. It doesn't tell you how or where to purchase goods from. It just allows you to see exactly where that dollar could be going. Download Cluey Consumer today for free and become a more informed consumer. That's Cluey Consumer, C-L-U-E-Y, Consumer. And again, totally free in the App Store. For more information, visit clueyconsumer.com. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in for the Hotard Huddle podcast presented by HotardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fans. You are now Inside the Huddle. Bringing in Michael Hotard back here for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast. I'm joined by a old friend of mine. I'm super excited to have him on. This is my buddy Solomon Tension, who was actually one of the first three roommates I had in college in good old E block of the Nickel State University. I'm excited to have him on over the last few years. He has had some great stuff going on. Um, Just recently, he announced the release of his first published book, The King and Me Part 1. There will be a Part 2 coming out. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about sim companies, which is his business and kind of what that is and how that started and just kind of where his career took him. We're also going to dive into some fun stories that we can share from college uh, because one of the interesting facts about Solomon is he is from savannah georgia um, and grew up a falcons fan which ironically enough for as much shit as i gave him that's where i am now is atlanta uh, or nearby atlanta so we're gonna dive into that but first here's a message from our sponsor this episode is sponsored by cheers for ears no disney trip or disney theme party is complete without your very own character customized mickey ears that's right Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and will use them for our trips here on out. Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or HotardHuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with Cheers for Ears. So again, I'm joined by Solomon Tension, author, professor, doctor, so many titles, a man of many hats. First and foremost, my friend, welcome to the pod, my brother.
1: Man, thank you so much for the opportunity, man. It's, 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 uh, I'm so happy you, uh, you extended it to us. We, we're excited to be here.
0: Hell yeah, man. I'm excited to have you. So let's just start. Let, let's start with what I kind of teased in the intro there, and that is the book, The King and Me. Um, I'm really excited to yeah. read it. I, I reached out to you, and it just kind of came at the perfect timing because I was honestly looking for a guest with the move and everything, the pod's been kind of all yeah. over the place. You know how it goes. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I
0: saw you were releasing this book, and I was like, well, shit, dude. Like, let me get him on so we can talk about this. So, The King and Me, <laughs> yeah, tell man. us about the book, man.
1: Man, it, you know, I want to I wanna preface this by saying I had no plans to ever write a book, uh, <laughs> and certainly not a three-part series. But such a thing in life ha- that happened to us called COVID, the pandemic, and, we, and 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 so you know here in Dallas we were we were on quarantine uh, from March from March when it started to July, so you have a lot of time to really sit with yourself and think and do some self-reflection and grow. And one of the things that that I kind of decided in that time period was that. I was going to do more of a concerted effort to help other men discover their purpose. You know, um, I have many flaws, many issues and challenges and many things I don't do well. But one of the things that I think, you know, God really blessed me to kind of figure out early on was purpose and the understanding and the ability to to kind of walk in, in a life of purpose. And I think that's kind of why my career has has, has been the way it's been. It's not been me. You know, I don't come from the best upbringing. And so I decided that it was time, you know, uh, to encourage other men to start that journey, to know that life is not just about a job. Like, you have so much more to give. And so that's kind of how this came and Me So it started as one book. But then when I finished it, there were so many other topics that I thought <laughs> that I should talk about. So now it's a three-part series
0: dude that's awesome man i'm super excited to read it i mean like i said i texted you the other day and i was like yeah i intend to purchase it and i do because i want to read it um you know and and you talk about your mission and just kind of uplift other people and i'll just go ahead and share this story something that i've never forgotten about you um there dude in college i mean there were multiple times where you reached out to me because of opportunities you saw that I might like. And that was always something that stuck out with me about you. You know, uh, one of course was the job that I held for four years and that was working with the video crew for Nichols football. One of the best experiences of my life. You know, I, I had so much fun in that four years. I learned so much. And it was an opportunity that I otherwise would not have sought after. I would not have gotten had you not come to me and said, hey, the new coaching staff needs video, guys. Go check them out. You gave me the number, and boom, I got the job. Um, Another one is uh, when you were coaching at home a Christian. I remember you telling me they were looking for some positional coaches, and you had approached me, which I didn't take this opportunity at the time, but nonetheless – you thought enough of me to, to extend that hand in friendship, extend, um, and, and just kind of put your neck out there for me. So it, yeah. when you talk about uplifting other people during the course of a pandemic, from my own personal experience, like, dude, I can see that tenfold and, you know, you wow. do, do that successfully. Wow,
1: man. Wow, man. Yeah, I, I never made that connection. I guess I have always been. Helping out other, I guess it's just so natural to me, you know what I'm saying. But I, I never really made that connection, and and no, nah, it's it's a blessing to be able to help people, and it it's you've been doing some amazing stuff. So no, thank you for sharing that.
0: Absolutely, man. So, um, but what I, I guess with the king and me, you know, let walk me through what's what are, what can we expect to hear in this book.
1: Well, so The King in Me uh, is, so the title was really unique because, you know, all of us, all men, there's a king inside of us, right? Uh, And so it's just sometimes it takes some work to get there. And and when I say king, I'm talking about knowing your worth, knowing your purpose, having a space that you can call your own, being self-confident with yourself, knowing scars, knowing your trauma and being okay with that, Like, like not being perfect, but just embracing this space of wholeness as a man and being able to contribute in a positive way to society. So, so so, that was the first piece. And so what I did was I combined just some, some really core principles of psychological theory coupled with some, some educational concepts in, in my, and then also some narratives from my own life and infused it all together uh, and created the King and Me series. So it is about helping men walk go through the process of discovering their purpose, right? And so one of the things I talk about is that, you know, everything we, everything we have, everything we need, uh, we already have it, right? Sometimes people say, you know, we disqualify ourselves as men. I've done it. We deal with our insecurities. We think about what we don't have, et cetera. But really everything that you need to have a life or purpose, you already have. It's just so unfortunate. Sometimes as men, life, and challenges and upbringing impacts us in such a way that it kind of gets lost in all of that, right? And so this book helps men from walking through trauma uh, to really kind of, you know, the first part, kind of the early stages of walking through trauma, uh, walking through forgiveness, uh, there's, there's tons of activities uh, that helps men kind of understand how to develop better relationships in terms of friendship, like the type of friends that every man should really have and how sometimes as men, we don't move forward in life, not because we don't have a desire, but because we don't have the right uh, men to support us, right? We don't have the right circle, so we go through that. Uh, so there's tons of activities in there. I throw some things in there for my personal life. Uh, and there's journal prompts there's daily reflection exercises, there's affirmation so again as I you know this is kind of like my second kind of press talking about this it's not a 10 step guide to finding your purpose like that's not (laughs) what I wanted to write because you know sometimes people try to put this cookie cutter like read this book and I guarantee this book is a process of discovery right it walks men through a discovery process not a because you may read this book and say you know what I don't have and I clear idea what my purpose is, but I have a good start. I know where to start, right? Or some men may read this book and say, "You know what? As a result of going through this, I, I have a really clear, right? I have a really clear plan." And also within the, you know certain pieces, you know, uh, men may read and say, "Okay, I got to stop because this is taking me to a place that I'm not ready for." So now I need therapy. I need group. I need to seek a pastor. And that's okay too like so it's all about a discovery process depending upon where that man is at in their life
0: that's awesome man and you know i'm glad you brought up kind of the cookie cutter approach and it's it's not that you know and you talk about self-discovery this is a topic that just fascinates me because just from a, a mental perspective I'm not the same as I was when you and I were rooming together. You're not the same. And yeah. there's always this path you're going to walk, and it's, it's never ending. And when you talk about um, male influence and having a good, strong, supporting cast, you know, one of the first things that sort of popped into my head was, um, you know, the amount of kids out there who grow up without a father you know they're kind of left to fend for themselves in a lot of ways yeah. if they and if they don't have that positive influence yeah. whether it's an older brother whether it's yeah. a coach whatever the case may be you're playing a yeah. different ball game than yeah. someone who has a strong male role mm-hmm. model
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and, and I was a fa- I was one of those guys who didn't grow up without a, you know a father in every area of my life, and so and and people you know um, you know me, but people look at me now and they think I just arrived, and, I'm, <laughs> and that is not <laughs> like that is like it, it's been a journey, and I still have you know struggles, and but but for me, uh, there were some strong men. And and even women in my, you know, that came along the way that really mentor and imparted in me, you know, as well. And so I try to encourage men that maybe you don't have the upbringing, but when you decide that you want to build a life for yourself, trust me, people will come along the way and they will support you and mentor. And then you look back on the journey and and you'll say to yourself, man, maybe I had a shitty upbringing, but you know what? Life's okay. Because I've got a trail of people who have came along the way to support me. They may be different races. They may, they may come from different areas. They may be somebody that you see in one phase of your life and you don't see them again for 10 years. But ultimately, they all play a role in your journey. You just have to make a decision to say, I'm not going to be, right? I'm not going to be a statistic or I'm not going to, you know, continue this cycle or whatever cycle, you know, you may be coming from. I'm not going to continue that. And then life will just take shape.
0: Absolutely, man. Now what's, I guess with you and kind of your personal journey, um, you know, what's one of the biggest challenges that you personally had to face throughout your life, um, that, you know, you're, you're proud to put your name on and say, you know what, I, I overcame that.
1: I'm sorry. I think, I think just that, you know, um, Growing up in a non-traditional family, you know, there were times, talk about, you know, the campus, you know, Nichols, where we went, you know, the time that I, you and I interacted, I was angry. I'm not at you, but angry at life. You know what I'm saying? Because I was young and and was still dealing with the raw emotions of being a, a, a not having a story, not having a father in my life. It was really raw. You know, they talk about when you're in college, that first couple of years, that's when you kind of face your demons. I mean, you, you're finally on your, you're out of the cocoon of your home. And so for me, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest accomplishment is really just growing from that and understanding how all of that was a part of the journey and understanding, you know, when I left uh, Nichols campus, I made a commitment that I was going to start that healing process uh, because I didn't want to go into education, you know, knowing that I would be around other young men in the classroom, because I started off teaching and coaching, as you know, who who need me, but I didn't want to be in a space where I couldn't fully support them because I'm dealing with my own drama and my own lack of affirmation and my own trauma. And so I think that that's something that I'm really kind of proud that I was able to to move past that and, and to be able to build a good life for myself and to achieve things that I wanted to, not having to deal with identity issues. But now in this new decade, now giving back to other men, who, who, who maybe just like how Solomon was when I met joined that campus, or so even the the sixteen year old Solomon as well.
0: Absolutely, man, that's awesome. And you know, when you talk about some of the raw anger uh, and emotional issues that uh, you had, you know, I I can think of you know one of the instances where you and I kind of got into it as roommates. You know, mm-hmm. when you live yeah. in close quarters with people that you're not familiar yeah. with, you don't know their trigger points and. I'm yep. not going to get into the nitty gritty details of it all. Of course, it's yeah, something yeah, we can laugh yeah. about now, but absolutely, it, you know, there was one blowout that you and I had together that we obviously squashed the next day and handled it like men. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. And it, you know, it was all right, dude. Like, you know, that was my bad. Okay, that was my bad. You know, it was.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah.
0: apologizing to one another. Um, but yeah, I yeah. mean, that's that's tough. And you know, now you're, um. Yeah, you know, you have some companies and you've gotten into the teaching. So let's, let's, let's dive into the teaching a little bit. You know, what's, what exactly are you doing with teaching right now? And kind of what's, what's some of the more rewarding parts of that?
1: Yeah. So right now, I mean, I'm a full-time, uh, administrator in higher ed. So, so I'm an associate Dean at a college here in Dallas. And so, uh, get to do some really great, amazing work for programs that we, our institution serves about 80,000 students. So I'm at a downtown campus. And so that's, that's, that's uh, been a good experience so far. But part-time, I teach at the graduate level. So I teach um, uh, in Colorado State Universities in their, in their e-learning, in their global kind of campus, that kind of that arm of Colorado State. And so I teach uh, future principals and future teachers and future leaders in human resources and in technology. So it has been good to now um, be teaching other individuals who will ultimately earn a master's degree and and make a contribution in the workplace. And so uh, that's been really, really rewarding to kind of use all of my experience, background, education, Um, especially, you know, I teach classes that focus on technology and learning, diversity, leadership, change management. So it's been really great that I get to play a small role in preparing the next um, generation of leaders, and so I find I find that to be the most fulfilling, you know. And I look forward to, I hope to continuously always teach, um, you know, in that space uh, because 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 uh, I started off as a K twelve teacher, so um, and a coach, as you know, and so as I've moved up the ranks, I've got less and less interaction with students. So it's good for me personally because the core of me. Is that, old, is that classroom teacher, that's where it all started. So it's been good for me along the way to still be able to teach even while serving in an administrative capacity. If they didn't let me, if I didn't do that, I'm not so sure how long I would do the administrator only role. While it's great, I like the student interaction because you get to see the immediate impact. That's how I started and that's how I want to end my career ultimately.
0: Awesome. So. And, you know, you, you echo that and it's something you hear so similarly, especially with professors at the college level, um, because I've talked yeah. to, uh, I've had several of my former teachers on this podcast and they kind of share those same beliefs. You know, they love seeing that, that interaction. They love seeing those light bulbs click in their students. They love seeing them overcome either in classroom or out of classroom issues, you know, um, But one word you touched on uh, that I kind of want to revert back to and talk a little bit about leadership. So I guess for you, um, because obviously leadership is a buzzword that a lot of people use. It's something I think most people strive to have. Um, And, you know, especially in today's and bringing up the political side of it in today's political climate, you know, it's really hard to reach out and find true Leaders, so I guess for you, what, what what are some of the leadership qualities that you try to instill in some of these uh, some of these students and next generation of educators?
1: Yeah, that's good. I think I think first uh, the first piece is how how to be uh, transformational. You know, uh, how to be change agents. And so what I mean by that is, you know, and even even me, you know, when you get passionate about stuff. We wanna make change right away. And that's absolutely fantastic. But as a leader, how to really say how to take all of that energy and be really strategic about how you're gonna make change. You know, it, from how you're gonna how are you gonna research, how are you gonna pull data, how are you gonna build relationships along the way you know one of the the eras i think a lot of leaders make is that they make change right but they stump on everybody in the process and so while they may get their desired result ultimately you need buy-in you need people to make change sustainable right and so i try to teach those principles of like how to really be a transformational change agent not from a not from a i see something today let's change it tomorrow but really from a from a strategic piece uh, an operational piece so that the change that you lead can actually be sustainable and can outlive you. That's a that's a true sign of a leader when you develop and put things in place that even when your time is up, wherever that there is, you can look back on it and see the foundation still there and, and you left it in such a way that somebody came on and blossomed. I think that's true leadership and I, and I try to, it is old school in a lot of ways, but I try to make sure that leaders really understand that yes we're all in the hamster wheel yes you're going to lead and do things and you're going to have opportunities to move on but make sure that the main thing is the main thing then you know what i'm saying and so i think uh, also uh, the second piece is really kind of having the equity lens uh as well you know not just in education but any form of leadership make sure that you're able to see all sides of the coin all perspectives like, you know, I, it's easy for us to be one-sided in our approach, but it's, it's good when we can take a pause to see different perspectives and, and, and even be willing to put people at the table when you're leaving who you know are going to counter you. That makes you better. And in the process, you build an ally, <laughs> right? And I, I try to tell leaders, don't always surround yourself with people who are going to say yes. You need about 50% who are going to say no. And you know they're going to say no. And I put you at the table because I knew you would say no. But in the process, we're going to make each other better. And I think you got to be secure with yourself as a leader to be able to do that. And so those are kind of like three of the main principles that I try to teach, you know, the leaders that I, that I teach currently.
0: Well, I think the last point, especially when you're talking about yes men and just kind of people who are just going to kind of do it because they're told to. I think that's something, one of the things that I constantly talk about or uh, have conversations with friends about is, you know, our generation versus maybe some of the older generation. Um, And this isn't to knock them at all. Uh, But the reality is when, when you classify the older generation, the boomers, things like that, you know, they came up from a very, very much a background of put your head down, go to work, do what you're told, fall in line. Whereas the younger generation, we don't thrive off of that. We need to know a why. And if you can't give us an adequate why, we're going to challenge you on it. And super important in, at your developmental growth as a human being yeah. it, it teaches yeah. you to be more aware it teaches you to uh, yeah be be more secure in who you are and that's ultimately what we're talking about here yes. so um no that's yeah. huge man and I, I agree tenfold on that
1: yeah 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 so it's been it's been good man so so we'll you know hopefully i can continue to do it and and i get to you know do that in my business as well so so let's good. talk
0: let's jump into that so sim companies um you know this yeah. you and i had kind of talked about this and one of the things we can kind of revert back to uh, in the very beginning of this is covid caused you to write this book well one of the things that you and i had kind of talked about was uh partnering up with my marketing company to help sim companies unfortunately yeah it didn't work out you know and yeah you know when you told me that yeah. you know no harm no foul because people have been impacted by COVID. No, no doubt about it. Businesses yeah, are yeah. Uh, hurting, yeah. um, including my own. So, yeah. um, but let's kind of talk about SIM companies, you know, what, what exactly is it that you guys do and, you know, how did this come to be?
1: Yeah, so Sim Companies is something that we started about two years ago. So we're still a young startup, and so the idea is we provide one hundred percent virtual consulting uh, within the areas of education, business, workforce development, and philanthropy. So across, I'd like to say, we're we're one company with five brands, more that umbrella concept. Uh, we also have a, a marketplace as well, and so the whole idea was, you know, Sim stands for Success in Motion, right? Uh, and there was this, uh, there's been a quote that's driven me for years. Uh, and that is, success is like a ladder that cannot be climbed with your hands in your pocket. And the author is actually unknown. That has driven me through so many, you know, and so I decided to curate. And so when I thought about that, that that quote uh, in development of this business, success is like a ladder that cannot be climbed with your hands in your pocket. So essentially, you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also, I got to thinking to myself, what happens when someone doesn't have a ladder? And that's what SIM is all about, giving someone the tools and the skills and the resources to have their quote-unquote ladder so they can start their journey towards success. So we do that through digital products, um, uh, training, courses, just a variety of services that individuals can access 100% online and uh, and at an affordable rate. Um, uh, lower than our competitors, that, that's what we do. So we target individuals who make an income, a median household income under $45,000, right? We target those individuals because because they need the support just as much as someone who can pay $1,000 for a consultant fee, right? So when I, in terms of education, we offer from college prep to admissions prep to personal development, just tons of different services and education, small business, right? Because people fail to realize it is not just upper middle class that desire to start businesses, right? It, the, it, it, right? <laughs> right. So people who make under $45,000 a year, right? They have desires too, to start businesses. They may Absolutely. not have the skills and the resources to get the high-ticket consulting or to log on to a webinar, but they have the same desire, and so we want to we wanna provide some of the same quality consulting at an affordable rate. And also with philanthropy, right, we're teaching individuals within the urban community how to be philanthropists within their own way. We teach families how to, be, how to cultivate that spirit of philanthropy, as well as we have several different funds that we fundraise for 100% virtually, and we give back uh to to the variety communities from a small business grant to uh we we had our first class of sim scholars so we uh we we gave four scholarships for the first time um uh we have international work that we partner with so that's kind of what philanthropy is all about as well so so it's been it's been a great journey uh we've had we've had we've served about 300 clients so far so a small number but we're hoping that here within the next uh, month or so we'll be able to grow uh, we've had opportunities to, we, we've now been approved as a federal contracting company as well. So we're excited about opportunities that'll come that will come that way. So so that's what Sim company is all about. And we've got plans to expand services down the line. We don't want to move too fast, but we want to try to dominate this virtual space as much as we can. And as I think about it, you know, like, man, I wish we would have been up and running a little bit more solid prior to COVID. Yeah. We probably would have been, you know, but such is life. Uh, virtual is our new normal so we feel like we have a we have a really good position so we're, we're excited to serve clients man
0: absolutely dude now what's i guess when covid kind of happened let's jump back and talk a little covid um you know you had mentioned that covid was kind of the spark for you writing this book um so i i guess let's let's dive into some of the ways it sort of impacted you um you know you know what? What exactly sparked that book, and then also, um, what's some of the ways you kind of had to pivot with your business because of COVID?
1: Yeah, and so this book, you know, again with COVID and having to finally sit with myself, and you know, Netflix—you watch all the Netflix. You've been on YouTube as the days went on, and then you know, um, you know, grateful to not lose my employment, so so still working. And sleeping and doing everything in the house, Um, you know, uh, only leaving to take a walk uh, because no gym was open or or to go to the grocery store. So to do that for March, didn't get a haircut. So I look like the Black Moses after a little (laughs) while, you know what I'm saying? No haircut. So I look like, you know, like I was on Lost or something. And so I decided to start to work on myself and to... Really focus on personal development and and get into audiobooks and and and, and you know I'm a spiritual person I'm a, I'm a Christian so I start watching all these different sermon series you know everyone every 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 church is streaming so you know a lot of different sermon series and so through all of that I decided that i, I you know I think God showed me some things about me that I knew that I, that I need to work on as well as some things about me that that I hadn't been doing uh, because of my own insecurities so my own uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, just foundational issues I had, and so from that, you know, I said, you know what, I I think I'm going to write a book to inspire men, and it was good to, you know, um, it's good to to access another level of your purpose, you know. And so that's kind of that's kind of what sparked it. It was kind of probably always in my head for a couple of years, but you know, my insecurities were, you know, what people thought about me, or I, I didn't think I was good enough to do something like this, or I didn't I didn't think I was qualified to help other men. Um, I've been good at helping people professionally and academically. I mean, you know, from my time, I it, if I thought I was about a job, I'll connect you. I've all, but but per, but for somebody to tell sit down and say Solomon, so tell me how'd you get here? I never really want to talk about it. You know, I didn't think that it was worth talking about. I didn't think that it, it could inspire anybody. I just, you know, lived my life. And so I kind of decided that it was time to not be selfish and share.
0: Well, I think that's one of the toughest parts about putting yourself out there um, is just that fact, putting yourself out there. Um, for yeah. so many people, and I hear this, uh, you know, I've had a couple of people reach out to me because I've been doing Hotard Huddle now for – uh, four years. I started in 2016. Yeah. All it's been yeah. is a passion project. I often yeah. call it this in my blogs. You know, it's it's basically my own personal diary. Um, yeah. So I take it very serious. And um, you know, I've had a couple of people reach out to me. I, you know, I've had someone reach out to me about them wanting to start a a horror movie YouTube page. So asking me about video content, like how to do that. I've had people. Another person talked to me about doing a YouTube page and uh I can't even remember what the topic was, but just over the years I've had a couple of friends who I either met in college or before then just be like, you know, you know, what's what's the toughest part? I'm like, honestly, it's not. You know, if you find something you're passionate about, just just roll with it. Just do it. Yeah. Um because the more you put yourself out there too and this kind of plays into yeah. what we're talking about. The more you put yourself out there, the yeah. more you can withstand as a person, the more confident you become because yes. at yes. that point great. I'm out there. Say what the hell you want about me if you if you like it, great. Yes. If you don't, fine. Yes. But here I am. Yes. Where are you? Yes. So, yes. It's absolutely. You know, this is doing this has been one of I guess my own personal um you know, hurdles to overcome, so to speak, because I think after, after college, you know, I've shared this story a couple of times on this podcast and I've shared it in my writing. My first job out of college, I mean, I was beaten down. I, I, you know, I lost pretty much all my confidence. Um, And then I got a new job working at a gym, which started to help my confidence because I was good at it. And then I was just like, you know what, screw it. I want to start writing again. Thus Hotard Huddle was born. Um, and now here I am four years later, uh, with a couple of hiatuses here and there because of life happening, <laughs> but yeah. overall, I mean, I, 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 enjoy it. It's helped me personally. So, you know, when, when you talk to people about putting yourself out there, I mean, just, just go out there and do it because ultimately yeah. if you put yourself out there and you're very self-aware about who you are and what you are, you become yeah. almost untouchable
1: yeah but that that's that's a quote when you put you what you said is is brilliant and that is exactly what writing and doing and telling my story uh and helping other people this way has done and, and i and i think that and i think that in a weird way not to be so spiritual you know because i know we all have different faiths but i'm a man of faith you know and I, and so this book I think this book series, (laughs) I think I was trying to let me know this book series that not only will this book help other men, it will ultimately free me. Um, Dude, hell yeah. It's articulated. And so I, I didn't see it at the time until I kind of finished it. And I was like, man, you know, it's crazy how life works. You do something for other people, but in a way it helps you and it frees you from insecurities and what people think about you. And like you said, you know, it is, that's, that's been the beauty. It's been a freedom and a confidence, um, for me personally, whether someone buys a book or not really just because I did it, you know, so I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. I hadn't even, that's been my thoughts. I haven't even shared that openly, <laughs> but if somebody's listening, whatever you want to do, just do it. Cause it'll
0: help you too. <laughs> yeah. 100% dude. And I mean, yeah. there's going to be criticisms along the way. I'm sure once these three parts release, you'll, you'll yeah, probably that's, get that's criticism good. at some point or another, and that's okay. I mean, yes, okay. you know, that one of the, one of the things that kind of I let ro- roll off my shoulder a little bit, I had written uh, a column for my blog uh, after my, my son was born Um one of the toughest parts as a parent is handling your own emotions. Um, yeah. You know with whether it's an infant whether it's a toddler and yeah. Yeah. when something's new and it, you have to you have to figure out how to communicate because their way of communicating is cry their head off and yeah. you know one of the things I was dealing with was internally was some some just anger issues there were times like I would just physically have to put my son down just because I'm like, I need to step away from my own personal sanity. And, you know, I had kind of talked about this and nine out of 10 people were like, dude, I get it 100%. Um, And there was someone who had told me like, well, you know, that sounds a a lot like child abuse is in your future. I'm like, because I put my child down because I had the wherewithal to understand that I am not in a good place. Like, what are you talking about? Go away. So it's just, whatever you write, whatever you put out there, detractors will eventually come, but it doesn't matter because nine times out of 10, you're going to have a hell of a lot more support from people because on a, on a very fundamental level, I think people just have an appreciation for people who are willing to go the extra mile and put themselves out there.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I didn't even make that connection. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, I'm glad you shared um, but overall, man. Um, so now that we've kind of talked about all these things and what you got going on, uh, just yeah. to kind of give one last plug before we dive into some other stuff here. Um, you know, the King and me look for, where can, where can people buy the King and me? so it's available
1: everywhere, but I've been telling the main places you can go and find it is on Amazon. <clears throat> it's there, it's available for purchase, or you can like, uh, you can like me on Instagram at Dr. Solomon or you can like our company, uh, underscore SIM companies, follow, follow me or follow the company. You'll see links to purchase. Um, and, and we're hoping that there's someone out there that needs it. And also, uh, it's been the need you know for your listeners if there's ever uh, a, a listener and you really you know appreciate what mike and i talked about and you feel like the king and me series can really help you but you feel like you have a financial difficulty reach out reach out to mike and and i'll and he'll get to me and i'll make sure that you get it absolutely free and so i want to put that out there for your listeners as well because it's not about how much money we make it's about how many men we can help so i, I want to plug that as well
0: hell yeah man that's awesome so you heard it there if you want a copy of the book and financially you're tight let me know and i'll be sure to put you in contact with the man who uh wrote the book so um but now let's 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 get into the fun part of this let's get into some uh just fun stories that you and i have had so again going back to this so solomon and i uh were roommates literally my first semester at nichols uh solomon uh was one of my roommates. He stayed on the opposite side of the dorm. But again, for those who went to Nichols, if you're familiar with E-Block, you know, even if you're on the other side, it is a very tight space, close quarters. Well, it was funny because one of the first things that I asked my roommates and Jeremy, who was one of our roommates, will even vouch for this, was like, yeah, dude, so you in into sports or what? And Solomon, of course, was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, who's your team, whatever. And I and you were like, yeah, well, I'm a Falcons fan. And I just thought, oh shit, here we go, because at the time, like, I was I was diehard Saints fan. So, um, but what was funny about this, and you know, you had posted something uh, kind of talking about the Falcons recently, and it kind of bit you in the ass. And I just thought that's that's fucking classic, because keep in mind the year that Solomon and I roomed together. That was the Saints Super Bowl year. And all, you, all I heard out of your damn mouth every week, even when they were 13-0, and 0, was, let's listen to first take. They're exposed. Let's hear what Skip Bayless has to say. And every week I'm like, they're winning the Super Bowl.
1: Mark it down. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But people need to know, I, you know, my dislike for the Saints is real. It's 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 so. You know, sometimes my family like my family will tell you, and I might convoke. My dislike is real. I am not a fan of anything about the Saints franchise, and, and and I never will. And so it is what it is. So. Nah, dude, I it still think I was you for the Super Bowl. That's a whole other conversation for another day. I mean, you
0: know. <laughs> Dude, the the smack talk through that semester was an all time high. I know, I know. Um, but now, dude, overall, it was fun, man. And uh, it was. The uh, but when we were at Nichols, rooming in good old E block, though, um, another thing that I just remember, like funny story here that I just remember was, you know, you being a busy man. You, you took school seriously. You took your job seriously. Me and Jeremy, on the other hand, we just freaking played video games all day. We'd be up till 4 a.m. And here came Solomon rolling in, maybe around like 9, 9 15 every night, popping madden on the other TV on the PS2, played his franchise. I, and I still distinctly remember you had the Chicago Bears, you traded for Brett Favre. I've never seen someone so excited about getting Brett Favre. <laughs> but no dude it was it was funny, and you know that was the other thing that year too was um with with the saints, obviously, the Vikings were the other big dog in the n f c that year, and just I remember by like week six you you had realized like, all right, maybe this isn't the Falcons' time, but the vikings, the Vikings are gonna be the one that
1: takes you all down that's what I thought yeah yeah it was it was the night I won that championship game was a night I don't even want to remember but uh <laughs> it happened because because old man Brett Favre I thought he was gonna do it I mean I thought he was gonna do it but you know such as life man you know it, it I'm glad you guys won one you know my Falcons we are still dealing with our own trauma from letting go of uh, yep <laughs> but that's a, you did,
0: I don't know if you saw it on social um but, or if I told you about it, but did you hear what I did in uh, my office the first? Yeah, day?
1: that was so that was so funny. But I was like, man, he's not gonna have any workplace friends. <laughs> like, you're not getting invited to anything, man. You, gotta, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, it's 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 not even a joke. It's a fact. It really yeah. is. And so, Falcons fans, we hate the joke but it's a fact. It's not trash talk. It's a fact. So we just got to kind of live with it. You know what I'm
0: saying? Well, for those who, who may not have seen this. So first day of the office, just to kind of refresh, this is literally my first day at a new job in the middle of Atlanta. My, my office is in midtown Atlanta. um, And they, they had all, all the new people, all the new hires kind of introduce themselves and say a fun fact about themselves. So I took the opposite approach. I was just like, hi, Mike Otard. I'm from New Orleans. I'm 29, and I just don't want anything to distract you all from the fact that Atlanta blew a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl. And, of course, I was showered with booze. There were a couple of people cheering like, dude, holy shit, that was awesome, but um, had to go that route. Um, but it's crazy, man. I mean, with – Oh, man. It, like, it, I thought it was going to happen again this week. I mean, I'm sure you've been watching the games this year. And, dude, it's just like Quinn or no Dan Quinn. They, they've they blown two leads, and they almost blew a third this week, dude. It's just crazy.
1: You know, and my, my post was – it bit me in the ass. But <laughs> I, I, I stand by with the first game of the season. For the first half, we looked like a Super Bowl team. That, that, that was not exaggeration. We played with confidence. We finally had all these offensive weapons that, that they finally looked healthy. We were playing defense. Dallas is the Dallas. is Dallas, And so that's the formidable team to beat, not now, but the first game of the season. Dallas was hyped so much, and they got like $10 billion in their players. So for us to play that way, I said, this is a Super Bowl team. We look like we finally healed from the trauma of the New England loss. And then it happened. <laughs> and and I don't, you know, I, I and then it didn't happen week after week after week until we fired a coach. And now and now we're 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 three and six. I think we won last week. Who knows? I mean, it, I mean the a the NFC South looks like it's going to be New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay will probably get a wild card. We'll be left out it, it, unless Tampa Bay just melts but i don't see it happening i, no. I think i think tom brady he did not gonna win division that's done new Orleans has it um but you know you never know so i think i think we're chasing to be third place at this point
0: well what's interesting so i and i think i had shared this with you once before when you and i kind of connected uh regarding the marketing and everything but i i had told you this so one of the rules of my fantasy football league is if you draft an Atlanta Falcon or you draft an Alabama player, you have to get iced. Um, mm-hmm. And in one particular year by like round nine, I had had seven Smirnoffs because I drafted Matt Ryan, Tevin Coleman, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, yeah. Mark Ingram. So mm-hmm. um, you know, most of my offense that year was the Atlanta Falcons offense And I watched a lot of their games as a result because this was before I bought red zone. Now this was also the year that Deion Jones went down, Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen went down. They missed the whole middle of their defense. Um, And I watched almost every Atlanta game that year, because again, fantasy football and um, yeah, you know, I was watching them. I'm like, dude, this offense is entirely too good. It's entirely too explosive. And that was with a bad offensive line and a bad defense. So I thought, okay, well, the next year they come up, and I'm like, all right. They drafted pretty much all offensive line. They get most of their defensive players back. I thought, okay, cool. So I predicted the Falcons to actually go to the Super Bowl that year Um, and, of course, got shit on by Saints fans because that's what happens. And in this case, I should be because Atlanta was miserable that year. But I have thought to myself – there's no way this team gets worse. And they did. Um, and I was just like, dude, what the hell? And even now, I still don't understand the conundrum there because that offense is still loaded. Now, the defense, not so much. But that offense can't even we'll do score anything people. until garbage time. We should bring
1: the all-score people. I, I talked about it. I, you know, and I, you know, we made a change. Who knows what mom is going to do it's a culture thing Like you and I, we played ball before we played sports before you've been around, you know, sports in so many different capacities, you win the game in practice. Mm -hmm. So all of these meltdowns to me, and I'm no NFL coach, but it seems like we're not, we're not practicing well because you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you get that mental toughness, that fourth quarter, you win a game in practice. And so, to me, it, it goes to show you, you can have great players. If you don't practice, if you don't work hard, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, something we learn, like that, that stuff matters, you know, and, and these are professional athletes. So I don't know where they got lost. So we definitely need to go after a tough minded coach who can bring back some of those old school principles. So, you know, so, so we don't have, I think that's what we need. Now, who can that be? Who knows? But I think that's what's missing because it's not talent. It's not schemes. It's toughness, you know. It's toughness. We need a few dogs on the team, and that's what we need, you know. And I give it to the Saints. The Saints. I watched them last night. As much as I hate them, that defense was some dogs. Yeah. I mean, they pitched the a shutout last night. You know you know what I'm saying? I hate the Saints, but I got to give credit to a good performance. And they didn't play a trash team. They played Brady with Fournette. Uh, brown even though he's even though he's fresh off the couch he's still antonio brown you know Gronk. it's a good team and they three points yeah i got i you know that wasn't a fluke and so i'm like you know we need a few dogs on our defense and you know i don't know we'll we'll see
0: it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting uh season down the stretch especially with uh, the nfc dude because you got it is especially the quarterbacks man um I mean, can old man breeze hold up? Cause you know, cause
1: I mean, I mean, I mean, you mean New Orleans. You guys talk about our trauma, but you know, y'all got some.
0: Oh, New Orleans has got baggage. New Orleans has got baggage. You
1: you guys have had some losses that have been like, oh, now I won the LA game. I got to admit, you know, that was stolen. That was, I mean, pee wee football player could say that was pass interference. I got to admit that. You know, but the Vikings, I mean, I'm not going to go through the history. I mean, we know. So, for sure. You know, you know are, are you guys suffering from some of them, them meltdowns as well? Like, oh, it's going to happen again. And, dude, know? this is
0: what's crazy. This is what's crazy. And this is a common criticism I have on the Saints and I have on Breeze and I have on Sean Payton. I think a big part of their issue, and there's evidence and data to back this up, they want to be the team that throws themselves to a championship. And um, I've talked about this on more than one occasion. It's not a coincidence that whenever Breeze throws 40 passes in a playoff game, they lose. They When he throws 40 passes in a playoff game, they have one win. And every single loss, minus the Vikings loss last, uh, last year, he's thrown more than 40 passes. And ironically enough about that Vikings game is – they only ran the ball. He only turned around and handed the ball off 12 times. There's just this the, – the problem with the Saints is they get so unbalanced. They get so reliant on Breeze because they'll have one or two bad possessions and then all of a sudden um, it may be a three-score game and you feel like they're playing down from 17 and they're not. So, it's crazy. They're a victim of their own misfortune. Um,
1: and they, they have had – But you know some- what, before we- – no, that's interesting, man. Before you move on – you know, that's a good that's interesting, but you know, remember how you guys won your Super Bowl? Turnovers, defense was turnovers. It was optimistic. You wasn't shutting anybody down. So I wonder if that's if that's just Sean Payton's philosophy.
0: Well, here's the thing, dude. So, one of the stats that I look at and I'm about to get super analytical nerd on you here, but DVOA is something that I've looked very heavily at the last couple of years because it's one of the true tried and true formulas that can really gauges how good a team is. And ironically enough, um, when you look at the other quarterbacks in the league, uh, Rogers, Favre, Manning, uh, Brady, or not Favre. I haven't really looked into Favre's numbers, but Rogers, Manning, Brady, um, mainly, mainly those other three because those Since Breeze has been in the league, those have been the other guys who are considered the elite of the elite. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Breeze has actually had some of the better defenses based on DVOA. And this kind of, this kind of plays into the point that they throw entirely too much and they don't balance it out enough. Um, But another interesting fact about Breeze. So, you know, when we talk about the elite quarterbacks, they all have something in common. They win and they win regularly. And that may not be Super Bowls, but by the end of the season, they have a winning record. Breeze has the same amount of losing seasons as Brady, Manning, Rodgers, Luck, Wilson, Ben, and Mahomes combined. That's not a coincidence. It's, It's a flaw in the Saints and what they're doing because if you have a good quarterback or a great quarterback, statistics show you should be winning more and they've had too many seven and nine just lackluster seasons and part of that's because they want to get their freaking stats. So it's
1: crazy. You could definitely be an analyst. You could definitely be an analyst for a football team man i think i hope i hope i hope the NFL guys heard that that's <laughs> my you no 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 cap you got a talent, brother i mean that's that's phenomenal you should definitely be a GM one day man you know what, I, what i'm saying just a
0: nerd who looks at numbers i'm, I'm <laughs> playing i'm going Billy Bean money ball
1: <laughs> but no nah, it's, that's it's interesting
0: game. though so it is it is I'll get one more thing before we move on to the final segment, which for the record, for those of you listening, I got a new thing we're doing for the final segment for every episode. But before we get into that, one of the things I will give Atlanta credit for uh, that I thought was hilarious. Saints fans hated it and they bitch so much. And I'm like, y'all can't bitch. All I'm saying is 28 to three y'all won't live it down. Why should Atlanta live this down? So Atlanta did a game of Thrones style montage to talk about or release their schedule. And when they played the saints at the Superdome that year, um, as part of that schedule, there was a, uh, a Florida Lee basically walking into uh, the Mercedes Benz Superdome, which not Mercedes Benz anymore. I don't think, Um, but there was a Florida Lee and Atlanta, uh, released the schedule, but there was a Ram that came up and just completely knocked the shit out of the Florida Lee. And I was like, oh, my God, kudos to whoever made that because that is some savage shit.
1: The hate is real, man. Right? It is real. <laughs> it is, it is deep seated. I'm talking, you know, so <laughs> it is what it is.
0: Absolutely. But, uh, no, to wrap up the uh, – the, the show here. So just to kind of fill my listeners in, because I, I kind of told you this, this is the first time of doing it. I wanted to do something fun. It's just sort of wrap up each episode of the podcast. Um, so with that being said, from now moving forward, each guest will bring two questions to ask me. I'll bring two questions to ask them. It can literally be anything under the sun. No topic is off limits. So with that being said, um, Solomon, I'll give you dealer's choice. Do you want to go first or last asking your first question?
1: I'll go, I'll go last. Go ahead.
0: Uh, all right. So uh, my first question to you is at what point during the Falcon Super Bowl <laughs> did you legitimately know and think, shit, we're going to lose this?
1: I can't even, I know it. It's just so hard to talk about. When we had the lead. And instead of running the ball, we start throwing. And when Tom when 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 Matt Ryan had that fumble, you know, that's when I knew. Because that fumble, we had the lead, mind you. So at first I'm like, why are we throwing the ball? But we're winning. But when Matt Vine had that fumble, I saw the New England sideline erupt. I saw Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does. And at that point I knew, oh shit, we have awakened. You know what I'm saying? Because Tom Brady's everybody, his, his, you know, you can't count him out. Absolutely. And until t- that point, we were, you know, but when I saw that and I saw the sideline for actions. I knew that we were going to lose this game because I've seen Tom Brady do come back. I mean, we all knew that, but you just can't give him an inch. And that fumble no. was the inch. And I'm like, why, Shanahan, why aren't we running the ball? We have the lead. That's, I'm talking about it so passionately because it's coming back to me. That's when I knew <laughs> we were going to lose. I all knew right, Tom so Brady uh, let's hear your
0: I first question. Him. Let's hear your first question
1: now. Well, mine was more on a like, <laughs> more like a serious note. Know? I just wanted to know, like, what's the greatest thing about having a family? Because you know I don't have that yet. And it was more of a, you know, what's been the greatest joy about that?
0: Whew, that's a good question. Um, for me, honestly, dude, you know, between first and foremost, let me take it from the top. The fact that I've been with the same girl since I'm 15, I think that's huge. Um, I don't that's take beautiful. that for granted. Um, yeah. You know, she is definitely my rock. And, um, you know, ha- envisioning a family with her from an early age, you know, as young as 17, 18, 19 years old, um, seeing that come to fruition uh, in the last uh, three years, really, uh, it it's been an amazing experience um and seeing you know these two run around especially uh especially my oldest uh, my son he is incredible um you know just seeing little tidbits of yourself in another person who you were raising there is nothing absolutely nothing like it one of my favorite stories happened recently um finn asked me a question and i didn't answer it i think to his satisfaction he looks me (laughs) dead in the face and he just goes yeah good talk i'm like what the fuck (laughs) so just little things like that and then obviously my daughter she's still so young but uh you know, every time they experience a new first, it's always exciting. So yeah, having that's
1: beautiful, man. That's it, beautiful.
0: Dude, it's the best.
1: That's beautiful. I gotta get working on that, man. You've inspired <laughs> me. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try again. That, that's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that was my one question.
0: And then my, uh, one. my second one for you. Um, so with you kind of bo- doing this book, having this company, and really uh, preaching a life of. Uh, let's call it what it is being a role model for people who need something to turn to. Who's, who's been one of the most important figures in your life? Um, Whether it's someone you never met um, or someone you do know personally, who's one of the biggest influences in your life and
1: um, your career? Outside of my four older sisters, I'd say uh, Dr. James Butler professor on nickel state's campus i don't know if you ever took a sociology classroom or not I maybe heard his name mm-hmm. um yeah because um he saw something in me that i didn't see in myself
0: that's awesome
1: it, and he pulled me to the side coming out of uh, i forgot the name of the hall elk or poke hall Polk, mm. it might have been you know in that building and he in the, in the 79's office and he just kind of ran into me about you know I was playing around not going to class and then you know during that time I was a manager for the football team so just having fun with that we traveling the games and I, I can't I'm just you know I was focused but during that time I was like, I'm just having a little fun you know and he was like, man, you know, I see so much in you. And then he just started talking to me, man. Like, he was my advisor uh, as well as my professor. And then, you know, just him setting me down from time to time and him imparting in, in wisdom in me and also connecting me with internships as well. I think that's got to be um, one of the most uh, influential people. And I try to share it with him often. I went to his retirement ceremony. But in so many different ways, man, he really just kind of, helped shape and mold me to be the man i am today you know he 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 put in my brain his expectation of me to go into education and earn a doctorate before i even knew i even had the capacity to i was right standing outside of the student union on the wood and he was calling me out for being late somewhere and then he kind of put it in my brain at that time i said listen you got you got your expectations on me are too big. But, you know, just planting those seeds in him, inspiring and motivating me, got to be one of the most influential people.
0: Dude, that's awesome. Um So let, let's hear round two from you. What you, what you got for me?
1: Uh, you know, I, it's, I don't know. There's so many, but – Cause I got to thinking about you know you're you're my only white friend. That's probably pretty bad. <laughs> I thought about that. I so, say you know I've never not on purpose. It just never really happened. I don't know, uh, <laughs> but it's all good though. Um, like where do you see yourself like you got a family you got a career that you love you got things that you obviously are doing that you enjoy personally you know what's like what's next or, what's do, or end, do you even end, think about what's next or you're more of a like like what's next for for Mike like you know I'll see you on TV one day or something or
0: I mean I hope that'd be great um no man I I think for me um You know, I, I, I wound up landing a, a good job in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, you know, aside from, aside from that, I mean, the ultimate high for me would be to make substantial money off of Hotard Huddle, even if it's on the side, um, even if it doesn't turn into anything full time, I think turning this into something that can help me financially would be good. Um, which I've kind of started that process with getting some sponsors. Now they're friends of mine, of course. Um, but it, you know, if I can promote my friend's businesses, why the hell not? Um, but you know, this growing into something big eventually. Once I get uh, a little more, uh, let's call it play money, I want to funnel money into this and uh, start running advertisements, start getting the name out there. Um, because one of the things that Uh, I think is missing, Um, you know, especially in the sector of sports is kind of what I told you earlier, like with Drew Brees and things like that. Like, you know, one of the things I constantly get complimented for from people is the analytical side to my blog, being able to break down things from a number standpoint and back up everything that I say, Um, I feel like that's, that's a very much a lost art in sports talk. I think everything now is just shock jock and just prisoner of the moment thinking like last night, for example, the saints drag Tampa Bay through the mud and all of a sudden people are hitting the panic button or, you know, calling it a season for the saints. It's like, dude, you got a long way to go and let's not forget you're playing. T- if there is a third matchup, it's going to be in the playoffs. You better not count that chicken just yet. So, turning this into something profitable, I think, would be a huge win.
1: Hey, you absolutely will, man. You absolutely will. I'm glad we got the chance to talk and connect. We got to do this again on, you know, just different topics as both of our platforms grow. And and this has been really good.
0: man. Hell yeah, man. I was excited to have have you on, man. So again, for those of you listening, uh, this has been uh, an episode with Solomon Tension. Uh, Check out his book, The King and Me, available on Amazon. Um, And... As always, honor the huddle. Add a little flavor to your kitchen with 985 products. 985 products delivers various flavors that hits the taste buds just right, making you smile and wanting a tad bit more. Their products are created with a touch of bayou and a dash of culture. The 985 sauce is the food lover's choice for flavor and spice. Or add a dash of the 985 Cajun allspice on your red beans and rice, gumbo, chicken or soup, and you can fall in love all over again. In addition to their signature sauce and seasoning, wind down with some of their vintage wines like Kerry's Merlot and Kerry's Sauvignon. Join Kerry's Wine Club for 195 per year. A membership with Kerry's Wine Club includes 5 bottles per year, Kerry's Wine Club merch, invitations to wine sampling events, exclusive updates, and a 10% discount on all purchases. When you purchase from 985products, use the code Huddle all caps, all one word, for a 10% discount on any of their select products. Visit 985products.com. That is the number, 985products.com. And again, receive 10% off on your purchase with the code Huddle all caps, all one word. That is 985products.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.